So tonight, um, all week, the Lord has been impressing upon me something because I had, um, I had a prophetic vision while uh, we were in our intercessors meeting on Monday night and God's been speaking to me out of that. But I want to give you some context for what I'm going to speak about tonight because I believe that as we dig into the Word of God tonight, God is going to release fresh hope in your heart. God is going to give you a confidence and a strength and a boldness that even though you may be walking through a very challenging season, that God has your back. He knows the end from the beginning and he has not changed his mind about your destiny and purpose. In Hebrews 6 verses 19 to 20, the word of God says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, but sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And so I want to talk to you about hope tonight, but your hope is going to come from an unusual perspective. And before I launch into it, I want uh, us to have two things established in our hearts, that there are two things that actually establish our hope as sure and steadfast, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. If we are grounded in the Word and if we are led by the Spirit, those things talk, uh, work together so that we walk in the truth that we have a sure and steadfast hope. Romans 8.14 says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And I want to tell you that right now, this season upon the face of the earth is a season where the sons of God arise. Revelation 1.6 tells us that we have been made kings and priests to our God. We cannot afford as new covenant kings and priests walking out our sonship to allow ourselves to be moved from our position of faith. I can't stress this enough because when we um, have challenging circumstances come against us, what the enemy tries to do is he tries to put a seed of fear within us and he wants to come and strangle the faith that is rising within us because we belong to God. And so... uh, From that position of faith, we see in Scripture that we're actually called to dig into the deeper things of the Lord and receive our encouragement and hope and faith from those things. In Proverbs 25.2, it says that the glory of God is to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. In Deuteronomy 29.29, it says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children. I want to tell you that there are things that God wants to reveal to us and things that God wants to reveal within us that will strengthen us in this season. When Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, He prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would transform their understanding of the incredible destiny that Jesus had made theirs by inheritance. You have inherited the same promises that they did. And so our attitude and our decisions must be determined by the word of God 
and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God dwells within you richly. The Spirit of the Lord dwells within you. The Spirit of the Lord has already made a way for you through uh, whatever you're walking through, even in this moment. And so wherever you look in the Word of God, you see God's plan of redemption where He has redeemed us back from all the power of the enemy and reversed the curse of the enemy and given us authority. And this is why the Word of God is crucial to us because when you begin to uncover the hidden treasure in the Word of God, it gives you an eternal perspective. You can read things in every book of the Bible. We're going to go to an Old Testament scripture a little bit later on. You're going to see the eternal perspective that God has planted there as a seed which can come and be nourished by the water of the Holy Spirit in your heart to establish you in a position of unshakable faith. You begin to see that things that happened 3,000 years ago recorded in the Word of God point directly to Jesus and the central moment in all history, the cross. Jesus has reconciled you back to the Father. Jesus has reconciled you back to the Father. Your destiny is assured. And this perspective of faith and hope is what we all need in a time of worldwide crisis. Whatever your position might be on COVID-19 and vaccines and lockdowns and all the rest of it, we need a perspective based in faith and hope, not fear and hopelessness. It is our destiny to walk in faith. And so I've been digging into the Word of God because I had this prophetic vision on Monday night and it had to do with bread and it just so happened that the very next moment, the, the very, sorry, the very next morning, the Lord took me to a passage of Scripture and I'm going to uh, dig into this and there's some hidden treasure here that will bless you and encourage you and lead you into a position of greater faith and hope. And this one verse that the Lord took me to is actually a parable and it's the shortest parable in the Bible that Jesus spoke and yet concealed within it is some real kingdom treasure. So we're going tonight to the shortest parable that Jesus ever spoke. It doesn't record that he offered any commentary after he spoke it. He just spoke out this sentence and it speaks down through all these thousands of years to us. And so this is Matthew 13, 33. And uh, my title tonight, if you, if you like sermon titles, is The Leaven is Like the key, sorry, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. In Matthew 13, 33, he says, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Now, uh, if you've spent any time in the word of God, you will know that everything that Jesus said had more than a single layer to it. And as we've seen before in messages that you've heard here, single words can take us into a whole different realm of revelation. And so in this verse, we have Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven in a way that anyone can understand, at least on the surface. And before I dig into it, I just want to uh, make the emphasis that our perspective in looking into this 
is a new covenant perspective. When Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven, he is speaking about something that he came to birth. In Luke 16, 16, he says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. When he talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the new covenant. And often his listeners, as we will see, did not quite understand what he meant. But we have the perspective of the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And it is our duty as kings and priests to our God to search out the truths of Scripture, see how they apply to us and go forward in faith. So, of course, we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. His listeners did not have the benefit of the New Testament to guide them. And whenever Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, we know from this Scripture that he is talking about a new covenant that he came to bring into being. So we'll go back to this parable. Since uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. So I want to go through the elements of the kingdom that Jesus describes in this parable. Leaven, of course, for those of us who aren't cooks, for those of us who don't watch MasterChef, who have no idea about leaven or what it might be, is actually like yeast. And it's the substance that makes bread rise when it is baked. Without leaven, the bread remains flat. And when you add leaven to dough, it has to be left overnight. When you add yeast to dough, now I understand they've got instant yeast these days and all that sort of stuff, but we're talking about something that Jesus spoke in his hour when you wanted to leaven, you wanted to put leaven in, uh, into dough so you could make bread. It had, to be made, it had to be left overnight so that it could do its work. And so this, you can go all the way back to Exodus with this because on the night that Israel left Egypt, they were instructed to prepare a meal that included unleavened bread. And the reason it had to be unleavened was, was because they did not have time for the yeast or the leaven to do its work in the bread and have leavened bread that rises. It would have taken too long. They had to leave in a hurry. And so I make that point because we all know the story of the unleavened bread at the, the night of the Passover. We know that the Jews celebrated a feast of unleavened bread. And I mention that tonight because when uh, I want to make the point that when Jesus speaks out this parable to this big crowd, he's talking, as soon as he mentions leaven, they have a perspective on it. They know what the law says about leaven. They know how they're supposed to celebrate feasts, all those sorts of things. Um, he's talking about something that they all understand, even if they're not cooks, because they all celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. When they come together to celebrate Passover, their bread does not have yeast or leaven put in it. It's flat bread. It's unleavened bread. And so here he says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. So leaven once mixed in with the meal or the flour, begins its transformative work and it has its effect. And so as the bread rises and fills out, the work of the leaven is revealed until it has permeated the whole thing and the whole loaf rises. 
It permeates all of the meal, all of the flour, until all of it is transformed into bread. And this is fairly easy to understand. That's a, that's a very simple uh, way of describing the work of the kingdom. The kingdom continually expands till it's all made complete, right? So that's fairly straightforward. But like everything that Jesus says is always a little bit more to the story or quite a lot more to the story. And in this case, there is a lot more. Because uh, when we dive into something a little bit, a little less obvious, we see that the woman hides the leaven in three measures of meal. Jesus doesn't use a straightforward word like mixed or kneaded. You know, you're like you knead the yeast into the dough, you knead the dough together. He uses the word hides. And I'm thinking, well, is there like, what is that, what's it actually say in the original language? And so I looked it up, and the word for hide used here is egcrypto in Greek, from which we get the word encrypt in English. It truly means hidden or concealed. And so Jesus is saying that the leaven is actually hidden or concealed, that the woman had come and put this substance in and nobody knew about it. It was doing its work without uh, being fully revealed yet until it was all it, until it had done its work, the kingdom of heaven was concealed. It was hidden. It was not discerned, but it was there all along. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. And I'm thinking to myself, God, you're taking me down this unusual track, and I've got no idea where I'm going. Because why would it be hidden? And where was it hidden? Well, the, the word says, where did the woman hide this leaven? Leaven in three measures of meal. And so curiosity gets the better of me. And I'm like, okay, what's significant about three measures of meal? Why does it use the expression three measures? I thought that's fairly innocuous. And you might think, well, he's talking about a typical meal preparation. Maybe that's the equivalent of three cups of flour. But he's not. He's actually using a biblical weight of three measures, which is the equivalent of about 50 pounds of flour, about 23 kilograms of flour. This is not something that is just prepared for the woman and her immediate family. This is something that can feed a multitude. 23 kilograms. It, <sighs> At this point, I would usually get a show of hands how many have picked up a single kilogram bag of flour. <laughs> I've got the worship team in here with me and I've got a couple of them know what a kilogram feels like of flour. Now imagine that times 23. There's a lot of flour that can feed a lot of people. Now this is not a message about biblical weights and measures, but I dug into it because if Jesus was that specific, it's always for a reason. Jesus always chose his words very carefully and there was always more going on under the surface. And this is where we launch into an incredible aspect of this parable because there is only one other specific place in all of Scripture where this specific amount is referred to in precisely the same way, three measures of meal. And what you're going to see as I unpack this is that God always had a plan. 
and he cannot and he will not be diverted from the good things he has prepared for you and I. And in a season where hope is hard to come by for the unbeliever, we have a sure hope. And that is what the Word of God does. When you see something in the New Testament and you find where, it, where else it's mentioned in Scripture and you see how the two things tie together over thousands of years, that inspires faith and hope in us. And so this place where this expression occurs elsewhere in Scripture, it's like a prophetic signpost. And it points to the greatest uh, time of history, in fact. And it's found in Genesis 18. Now I'll give you a little bit of background to where Genesis 18 sits in the wider picture. This is the story of Abraham and Sarah. And they had been promised a son, as we all know, through whom God had promised them all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But we also know that they tried to force the issue and produced Ishmael. And so Ishmael is a little boy at this point in uh, Abraham and Sarah's story. Abraham is 100 years of age and Sarah is about 90 and they think that's the only child they're ever going to have. They think that they've somehow managed to help God with his plan. <laughs> well, let me give you a hint. God doesn't need any help. And when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Even though we sometimes get in the way. I myself have got in God's way many times. I'm trying to learn not to do that. So Genesis 18, 1 to 14, we have this fascinating thing that happens on so many different levels, and I'll try not to go down too many rabbit trails with this, but let's start at Genesis 18, 1. So Abraham is 100, Sarah is 90, Ishmael is a little boy. They think that their dream of uh, God providing them with a son has already been fulfilled because they got involved in the process and manufactured something that God never intended. But then God shows up like he so often does. Genesis 18 verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him, the Lord appeared to Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Now, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole too far, but if you've been listening, you'll hear something that appears to be a contradiction because it says the Lord appeared to him, but when he looks, there's three men standing there. And so it's apparent that one of the three men is either a theophany, which means an appearance of God himself in the Old Testament, or a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. But the scripture makes it clear, Abraham is dealing with the Lord, the Lord in capital letters. And so the other two of the three may well be the two angels that in the next chapter go on to um, address the problems in Sodom. But this, I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't want us to get diverted. I just want to explain that point that he, Abraham, is in an encounter with God the Creator, whether as Jesus or as God Himself in human form appearing before him. And he comes out 
and he bows himself before them. He says, my Lord, if I've now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. Now, what I pick up here, um, after I read the next, session in, in the next section in particular, was that he says, I will bring a morsel of bread. Now, my wife, Kerry, is the only person I've ever heard use that expression, a morsel. A morsel is like a couple of bites, right? It's a very tiny amount of food. Um, but here's what Abraham does. Because they've said to him, the Lord has said to him, do as you have said. In other words, bring out a morsel of bread and uh, he's going to wash their feet. They're going to rest. And so it says in verse 6 that Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make three, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Three measures of meal. Exactly the same expression that Jesus used um, thousands of years later. This is the only other place in scripture where three measures of meal is referred to. So Abraham offers them a morsel, but then asks Sarah to go in and prepare enough bread for a multitude to bring as an offering to the Lord. And then he went further, says in verse 7, Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And the point I want to make here is that this is an act of extravagant worship. When you recognize that God is stepping into your situation, when you are stepping into an encounter with the living God where he is about to do something in your destiny, you need to recognize the moment and everything you bring to him should be an extravagant act of worship an offering and a sacrifice and he steps into this because he recognizes he's having a supernatural encounter with God and he wants to give him more than anyone, any human person could ever expect. He wants to bring out the best. He wants to bring out plenty. He wants to bring it all to God in, in, in this extravagant act of worship. And out of this, out of this encounter, I guess they sit there for a while. They eat some of uh, this beautifully prepared bread from three measures of meal, which Jesus refers to thousands of years later. And then uh, in verse 9, it goes on with the next part of the story. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90. Ishmael's already there. God comes and appears to him. He brings out an offering, including these three measures of meal, and now the destiny of the entire human race is about to be flipped. Abraham and Sarah were old, it says, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? 
And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question I want to ask you tonight in your situation. Is anything too hard for you? And, you know, you might have a bit of an attitude like Sarah. When God turns up and he says he's going to do something miraculous, you might be going, oh, yeah, sure. And sometimes God looks past the hard attitude and says, you know what, I have a grace upon you and I'm going to do it anyway, even though you don't fully believe it. And when it comes to pass, you will be amazed. (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Now, if... uh, took me a long time to work out how I was going to put all this together. And I imagine that many people listening to this message are probably going, what has this got to do with Jesus and his parable about the leaven? Let's go back to what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. When Jesus said this, when he spoke out this parable, He knew his audience. He knew that those with the knowledge of the Old Testament would hear those words, three measures of meal, and would immediately make this connection. There was a promise to Abraham. There was the birth of Ishmael, which was not supposed to happen, but then God was faithful and there was the birth of Isaac. They also would recognize that following this was Abraham's ultimate test of obedience and God's miraculous provision of the sacrifice. What does God's miraculous provision of the sacrifice in place of Isaac represent to us? That God would himself provide a sacrifice for our sins. All this information is hidden in this beautiful story of Abraham and Sarah waiting for Jesus to point to it. From thousands of years later, Jesus was telling them that hidden in this story was the hope of Israel and the promise of God released the fulfillment of all that they had been waiting for. And they didn't understand what he meant then. I'm sure there were many people that went away from that gathering where Jesus spoke the parable. They're kind of scratching their heads and they're going, why why is he talking about Abraham and Sarah? Why is he talking about three measures of meal? Why is it hidden? They didn't understand what he meant then. But then Jesus went to the cross and then he rose from the dead. He went to the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. The lamb that God provided. And then he rose from the dead. And then in the book of Acts, his apostles began to dive into the Old Testament scriptures and they began to make these sorts of kingdom connections between the old covenant and the new. He was saying, the kingdom is here. The leaven has done its work. The Messiah has come. The salvation of the world is ready to be completed. And here we are today In that same lineage, sons, kings and priests, inheritors of authority and dominion. The Old Testament finds its fulfilment in the New. The New Testament finds its fulfilment in you and I. 
We are the people that this story is meant for. We are the people that this parable is meant for. That the leaven which was hidden away in all of that Old Testament scripture found its place of maturity in Jesus and the kingdom was birthed. We are not under an old covenant. We are under a covenant that says that we are kings and priests to our God and it's about time that we started acting like it and thinking like it and believing like it. Here's my takeaway from this. Because for those of us in our church in particular, but I believe for many, many people that will watch this, whether now live on this live stream or later on, this is a challenging moment in history. There is a lot of confusion around the world. There are events happening around the world that are unprecedented. We are facing challenges in our generation that no generation has had to face before us. We have an opportunity in the season that we find ourselves in to take hold of the fact that what we are going through is not a surprise to God. If God could bury the hidden leaven of the kingdom in an encounter between him, Abraham and Sarah that pointed to the Messiah, do you not think he knows about your situation? If kingdom truths could be hidden thousands and thousands of years ago, just waiting for us to dive into the word of God and find them and receive them and let them take hold of our heart, if he planted those things uh, within the word of God for us to find, don't you think he had a purpose in it? That he knows the challenges that you and I are facing in this season and yet he's looking for a response of faith and we get that faith from the word of God and from the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you in this season that the word of God is something that you can stake your life on that the future, your future, the future of your children and your children's children is all under the blessing of God no matter what you see around you. In some cases, this is going to mean that some of the things that we thought were important are going to fall away. It doesn't matter. It may mean that you find yourselves in a situation that you've never been in before. It doesn't matter. What matters is you have a relationship with the God who redeemed you by the perfect sacrifice of his son Jesus and your eternal destiny has been secured by the blood of Jesus and your eternal destiny is assured. And no devil in hell, no disease, no plague, nothing can stop the purpose of God for which you were born. God will have his way in your life just as he did in Abraham and Sarah's, even if you make incredibly stupid mistakes like we've all made. <laughs> He's written a greater destiny over your life and he will have his way. I got a bit carried away then because I was going to say, here's my takeaway from this and then I went... Psh. And all of that was uh, just as important about what I'm going to say. But here's the takeaway that I, I believe the Lord would have us see from this. 
Don't miss the supernatural moment that we are in. God is bringing his bride into supernatural encounters like never before. He's releasing dreams and visions and the prophetic. I have so many people that send me uh, uh, links to YouTube clips of different prophets from around the place and I see that there is a synergy of the prophetic that's like a coming together of a cohesive stream that's directing the church into the greatest season that we have ever known. Don't miss the moment that God has chosen to release the supernatural to us because the situation can look really challenging, but God is greater than the situation and he has your heart in his hand and he wants to speak to it and he wants to hear from you. Don't miss the opportunity to come aside into those moments of intimacy with him because he longs for that intimacy with you. We were made for intimacy with God. Don't miss the supernatural moment that we are in. God is is bringing us into supernatural encounters like never before. And I want to tell you that our God is a God of provision. Just as God provided the sacrifice in place of Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's supernaturally born son, he provided a sacrifice um, for the sin of the world. He provided the sacrifice that meant that we could be reconciled back to God. He is a supernatural provider even when we don't deserve it or when we don't think we deserve it. And uh, so our response to this needs to be stop looking at your circumstances and continue to bring your extravagant offering to God. This is not a message about money. This is about the heart. Make your heart an extravagant uh, offering to the Lord. He loves it. He loves it when we worship him. And when I said that he is providing, just as he provided a lamb for that sacrifice, I want to share with you um, this vision that I had on Monday night um, during our intercessors meeting. And for many years we ran... um, a, um, an outreach ministry called Church in the Park. And so on the, early on the Saturday morning of each time we held that event, I would go down to our local Vietnamese bakery. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I would go down to our local Vietnamese bakery and I would pick up the bread rolls that we needed for that outreach. Anyway, there was one day when I went down there and the lady had forgot to pin my order to her notice board and I got there and there were no bread rolls. And I'm like, what are we going to do? We've got to have 130 or 140 bread rolls for this outreach. And um, she said, you know what, the, um, the, the loaves are just coming out of the oven now. If you can just wait, I'll slice them and bag them for you. I said, okay, well, that's a solution. We'll just use bread instead of bread rolls today. And so... She, got the, she had this bread-making machine there, or actually a bread-slicing machine, and I've, this is the only time in my life I've ever, ever seen one of these things in operation. So they take these big rectangular uh, loaves and they line them up on this uh, kind of like a belt thing and it goes through <coughs> a series of wires and the wires kind of vibrate and cut through the bread and put it into slices. And as each loaf comes off, 
she quickly whips it into a bag, puts a little tag on it and puts it aside and does it quite rapidly like that. All these loaves were coming through that she was making for me. Anyway, on Monday night, <coughs> it was like I was in that bakery and I could see the machine before me and all of a sudden, all these loaves started coming through the machine, one after the other. The difference was that between the actual experience I had a few years ago and what happened in my vision was that what happened in the vision was that the loaves came through and came through and came through and came through at such a, at such a pace that uh, slices of bread were just spilling out all over the floor until there was this massive amount of bread there. And I knew that God was speaking about supernatural provision in this hour. And, um, you know, when, when, when um, I connect a prophetic vision with a prophetic word that God is releasing supernatural provision in this hour, <clears throat> I like to see that that um, prophetic word is confirmed. I like to see evidence of what um, I believe God is saying to us. And I can't share the full details of, uh, of what happened this week, but I can say that there was somebody associated with our church that had an incredibly uh, great need. <clears throat> and as part of the process of their need being met, they actually had a vision of the person, without knowing who that person was, they had a clear vision from the Lord of what that person looked like before the, the, that the God was going to release the provision through. They had a clear vision of what that person looked like and they, they said to me, we will receive this provision if this is what this person is like. And it was exactly who it was. Even down to, uh, look, there's just aspects of this that I can't, that I can't share. I'm not free to share them. Um, but let me say this. They had a need that could not be met in the natural. I had a prophetic vision of these, these bread spilling out everywhere. I knew it was for, for provision. And within three or four days, that provision, that need was released into a situation that had the potential to become extremely serious for those involved. And so um, as I get the worship team to come back up, if that's okay, <clears throat> I believe that the purpose of the message that I preach tonight is so that you will um, leave our meeting, which is kind of uh, a funny way to put this, but we're all meeting together in the spirit. We are all in the spirit in one room. You will uh, leave this meeting with a renewed sense of hope and faith and purpose and destiny because you will have heard this incredible story of how God actually uh, released the story of Jesus in so many different ways in the Old Testament and they're concealed in there and revealed now so that we will recognize that God has our future, has our destiny, has our present, has our past. It's all held in his hands and he has prepared a way through for you. And so before the worship team uh, close our meeting tonight, I want to pray for the supernatural provision that I saw on Monday night being released to you. I know that there are people in our church that have uh, had their employment reduced. I know that there are people under threat of losing their jobs. I know that there are people that are facing great financial challenges, business owners, um, 
people that um, <clears throat> work in other areas of our city that um, they, can't, they can't go to work. There's all sorts of things going on at the moment. I just want to say to you, God has made a way. If you will just receive it by faith, God has made a way already. And so I want to pray into this. Lord Jesus, I stand here in the authority of the prophetic word that you have given me, Lord, to speak out over your people. I declare and decree tonight that the needs of your people are being met. I thank you, Father God, that every time that we come aside to seek you in this season, you assure us again and again and again that you have made a way. I want to declare it over you tonight. God has made a way. God will prevail. God will provide what the enemy has meant for harm. God has meant for a measure of good to be released for you. You will come out of this season in greater faith than when you walked in. And part of that result will be because you chose to trust Him when man would say all is lost. God says, I'm just getting started. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, I thank you for that release of bread, supernatural bread, provision, flowing out to your people, an abundance, an overflow tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, I release it over you. I hear the Lord saying to some of you, stop looking at your feet and look up to the hills from whence your help comes from. Your help is not here, it's there. In the name of Jesus, just receive this tonight because God is providing. God is providing. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Lord, as we conclude in worship tonight, I pray, Father God, that the seed of this word would go deep into every heart, that every heart would rise in faith to receive what has been released tonight, that every one of us would walk out of uh, where we are into the new that you have for us. And that, Father God, you give us the provision to go where you are leading us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.